You're listening to a podcast from Bayside Church International. Um, but before we pass the buckets, I reckon we might just pray, and we're going to pray for Rob. I was thinking about this during the week, and, and Chad's away, and Rob's preaching, and I, was, I got this strong sense that, Rob, you're not here just filling in today, that there is something that only you can give us this morning, and, uh, and that this is the right place for you to be and the right place for us to be. So uh, I just want to really want to encourage you in that. There's no fill-in here. He's got something that, uh, that no one else can give this morning, and, uh, and let's stand on that. So let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you so much for uh, your generosity and goodness to us, Father. And Lord, our, our gifts, our financial gifts, Lord, we pray that they would be used this morning, this week and throughout the year, Father, to bring um, people into a relationship with you. And Father, we pray for Rob this morning. We thank you so much for him. We thank you that you have empowered him and you've given him a message this morning that is your message and that's going to affect and change lives in a powerful way. And we speak that over him now. We speak confidence over him and a sensitivity to your spirit right now and for us to have open hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got a bucket under one of your seats, you'd be at the end. You can pass that along. And let's give Rob a really warm welcome as he comes up. Oh, him. And Craig is just inviting us to really just to see into that heavenly realm and, and, and experience Jesus. So this is what happened, Craig, while I was there. Okay, this is what has happened. As I'm doing that, I'm thinking, so where are you, Jesus? And there he was, right alongside me. And I'd seen him like this a couple of weeks ago. I won't share that one today. And, and, he's, and he's there in jeans like a, a light grey t-shirt, shortish hair and a fashionable fuzz sort of thing. In other words, hadn't had a shave. And, and he's grinning at me because I've seen him there before and I said, are oh, you rat bag? And I thought, oh, can I say rat bag to Jesus? And he's going, like, they just laughing his head off at me and it's like, come on, let's have some fun in church. You know, let's have some fun in church. So that's my experience this morning in a great worship time in an awesome worship time, <laughs> and Craig, you just took, us in, took me into a place that I just want to be. And again, I just want to confer, uh, reaffirm, or go back on, if you're a person who understands concepts, ask God to give you concepts. It'll work for you. Okay. <clears throat> you will hear this scripture many times, and it's from Romans somewhere or other. Romans 15, verse, verse 4. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So Paul's saying that the stuff in the scriptures, the scriptures we understand as the Old Testament, is there to teach us, to encourage us, to, to really to give us direction, is awesome stuff. And so, as you know, we're doing a series on the book of Exodus. And we, we really struggle with this when we're working it out because we thought, you know, you know it's getting into the lampstands and the tabernacle and the utensils. and st- Anyway, we're not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> You're probably thinking, thank you, Jesus. But some of you are thinking, oh, you know. 
The thing is, the book of Exodus is an amazing book. And it's a record of the redemption of an entire nation given by God that God had promised to Abraham. This is a promise of God coming about. And it's that record. And today I want to look at the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is, I, I thought it's like a snapshot, but it's more like a living picture of Israel, a people, God's people, going from slavery to freedom. But there you go. Now, you know who Joseph was. So Joseph could have dreams and he had the gift of dreams and he could interpret dreams, but he wasn't very good at actually delivering the dreams and handling the dreams. He was really bad at that. He didn't have the character or the maturity to really handle this massive gift. And so he'd say to his brothers, you guys are going to bow down before him. You're going to worship. You're going to basically honour me, not worship him. And they got really angry. You know the story. They wanted to kill him and <coughs> threw him as a cistern, sold him to slaves. Could you imagine that? Selling your little brother to slave traders? That's awful. And he ends up in slavery and in prison for years. He's 30 years old before he gets out of there. But in that time, he matures and grows in character and wisdom and in ability. And he comes to a point where Pharaoh's having dreams, he interprets the dreams, there's going to be like years of, of, of prosperity and then years of this massive famine. And so he ends up being in charge of the whole nation, just under Pharaoh. That's not a bad leap from down in the dungeons, is it? Up to being vice president, so to speak. And and so he, he's in charge, he sets the whole place up, the famine kicks in, people are starving, Israel, people of Egypt are being fed. Then his family come down and looking for food. To cut a long story short, he gets reconciled with his family and they all move to Egypt. Now, so, they're doing really well. Centuries later, maybe three or four centuries later, depending on how you read how long things are, there's a pharaoh who knew nothing about Joseph, didn't know anything about him. And he just saw all of these people in the northern part, in, in Goshen or wherever it is, and they're looking after the herds and they're multiplying. They're growing like rabbits. We know at the time of the Exodus there were 600 men, plus their wives, plus all the kids, there's millions of them in there. And, so there's, and he's, he's threatened by this, so he enslaves them. That's what he does. And he's brutal and he's horrible. So these people are oppressed, they're brutalised and they're despised by the Egyptians. They don't like people who look after sheep. I can understand people who don't like sheep, but I, if you're a farmer, I never struck a farmer who does, even though they... Anyway, I won't go there. And they're despised and so they're crushed and they cry out to God. They sort of remembered God. God hears them and sends Moses. And so Moses is born at a time when all the baby boys are supposed to be being, being killed by the orders of the Pharaoh. His mother puts him in a basket that's waterproof, floats him towards where the Pharaoh's daughter is coming down to, to have a bath, and her heart goes out to him. She, takes, she, she gets, funny enough, his sister and his mother to take care of him and adopts him, and he grows up in the royal palace. How's that? That's not bad going from being a slave to living in the royal household. The Pharaoh's daughter is your mum. That's not a bad life, is it? 
So he has a good life lined up. And then he goes and does something stupid and he kills someone. And I want to say this. You may have done something stupid in the past, recently, even today. But it's not the end. Say it again. It's not the end. And so Moses basically kills someone and his life, that part of his life, is over. The Egyptians despise these Hebrew people and the Pharaoh hates Moses. And here is an opportunity to get rid of Moses. And so Moses heads off out in the desert. So he heads out into the desert, a murderer, he meets God, and he comes back a deliverer. Now, what does that say to your mistakes, to your failures, to your stuff up, so to speak? What does that say to that? It says that God isn't finished with you yet. So let's read the story of the Red Sea. Let's read the story of the Red Sea. <coughs> I was really fortunate. Chad let me have this one when we were planning this. <laughs> he said, you can have that one. So I'm really happy about that. I love this story. So I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 14, and I'll start about maybe verse 19. Then the angel of, the, of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, remember they'd actually left Egypt and are heading towards the Red Sea. In fact, they'd got to the Red Sea. Leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire. Ooh. Lighting up the night. But the Egyptians... And the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses (coughs) raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all of the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea again, and the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun was beginning to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. (coughs) Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers. The entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites to the sea, not a single one survived. But... The people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hands of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up over the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. And they put their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses." 
Now that is like a, a breathtaking story. Who's seen movies of that stuff? Who's seen more than one movie? That last one was, <coughs> was a pretty amazing. I'm not sure about the, the biblical accuracy of it, but the scene through the Red Sea was, pretty, was something. <coughs> so let's just look at this. The Lord <coughs> takes Moses out of the desert, has empowered him to speak to, to Pharaoh. He he's also told the Israelite leaders, they're not too happy about this because it's going to mean trouble for them, and it did mean trouble for them. So he speaks to Pharaoh. Pharaoh won't let the people go, even though Moses has, says, the Lord says, you've got to do this. And there are all these miracles, devastating miracles, like plagues of frogs. Who likes frogs? Who likes plagues of frogs and gnats and flies and, and boils? Boils. I remember once Maureen was really sick with something and something else went wrong. One day she says, what else is going to go wrong? Boils. So boils. She's probably not thanking me for that. In fact, I can't see her at the moment, but that doesn't mean she's not there somewhere. I'll get you, she says. And there's plagues of, a plague of darkness and there's hailstones and animals are dying. It's awful. And finally, to convince the Pharaoh, the angel of death comes across the land and those who had not painted the blood on their doorpost, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, their firstborn died. This is absolutely devastating. It would have been an awful place to hear those whales coming up in the middle of the night in Egypt. And so then they're basically almost pushed out of Egypt. You know, they basically get them out of here and off they go. They're ready to go. They'd already eaten what would become the Passover lamb and somehow their neighbours had given them all their wealth and gold and jewellery and stuff. So they went out loaded and they're heading off and a bit of a detour and the, there's this pillar of cloud leading them. I bet they weren't expecting that one. How high are these things? And they finally get stuck at the Red Sea. As night time's coming, they stop, the pillar of cloud comes to the back, the Egyptians camp, and then the pillar of cloud turns to a pillar of fire. Again, how high is this? It would have been massive. It would have been massive. Who's ever seen anything like that before? I haven't, and they hadn't, and so that's there. <laughs> and then Moses basically raises his hand, a wind blows and the sea parts. Now, I did a bit of research on the Red Sea. Oh, I'll tell you something about the Red Sea, by the way. I'm very, got this, I've got an attachment to the Red Sea. My grandfather was in the Navy in the First World War. He was on a hospital ship and he lost his glasses. And he, 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 somehow he dropped them into the sea when they were going through the Red Sea. And he always said, I haven't lost my glasses. I know exactly where they are, in the Red Sea. And they'll be probably still there to this day. <laughs> anyway, just thought you needed to know that. There could be something prophetic in that. You never know. You know, some of you prophetic types will get something out of that. You'll get the image. Anyway, I'll just... <laughs> I've been looking forward to telling that story for years. <laughs> in some parts of the Red Sea, is incredibly deep. In the part where they think where they crossed, there's a couple of sort of shallow areas and the other bits are probably 90 metres deep. They're suggesting that in those days, those shallow areas probably hadn't built up. So it could have been 90 metres. That's 300 feet deep. 
Can you think of a building 300 feet high? That's, that's a long way up if you're down there. Or if you're up there, it's a long way down. So the Red Sea parts, there's this pillar of fire leading them. <coughs> there is this massive wall of water on each side. And there they go, they start pouring across this. And you could just imagine we're soldiers of the army. Of, you know, they could imagine, you know, really happy and joy. You could imagine. They would have been petrified. It's night time, folks. It's night time. <laughs> There's a pillar of fire up there and the fire is glinting off the water, reflecting off the water and off the face. You can see the fear on the place, person behind you. And then the Egyptians are after you. This is a frightening, scary situation. <laughs> and I can imagine that some of them were ready just to buckle at the knees and give up. And I suspect some of them did. And some of them said, grab it, come on, keep going, keep going. The Egyptians are coming. Well, that water's going to come down. They could probably see sharks in the water. <laughs> and, and, and some said, let, let's, just, let's just stay here. Maybe the Egyptians won't kill us all. Maybe they'll let us off for, for giving up. And, but they kept on going till they went to the other side and by the time they got to the other side, and then the sun's just come out, Moses raised his hand again, and the water comes down and destroys the Egyptian army. That would have been a frightening, frightening journey to freedom. I want to say this. When God takes you to freedom, don't lose your nerve. Don't lose your nerve. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. So we see an awesome, awesome God at work. And we see the power of God at work here in an amazing way. The thing is, the Egyptians <coughs> didn't get it. They weren't scared of God. I would have been scared of God after the first plague. But they weren't scared of God. And I suspect maybe they were more scared of Pharaoh than they were of God. Hmm. And maybe the people of Israel feared the Egyptians more than they trusted God. Because they really had to be driven to set them free. They really had to be driven. When we don't trust, fear can override faith. Folks, we were never meant to be driven by fear. Rather, our lives should be driven by hope in an awesome God who loves us deeply. Paul has got this to say in Philippians chapter 3. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 through to 14. And this is what he's saying about himself and about what he wants for others. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. You know, we've had a touch of that here this morning. But there is so much more of his power that he wants us to experience. So much more. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I'll experience resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, 
but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus is calling us. Don't lose your nerve. Sometimes that race is quite scary. Don't lose your nerve. <clears throat> so these people were taken from bondage, from oppression, from brutality, from despair, from hopelessness. They were taken from slavery to freedom by the awesome power of God. So who is this one that took them through the Red Sea? Who is this one who is their liberator, their saviour, their deliverer? He is God. He is Yahweh. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That's who took them through the Red Sea. <coughs> That's who took them through the Red Sea. And so there they get through the Red Sea and the walls of water come crashing down, destroying the source and the power of their oppression. The Egyptians... God can destroy the source of your oppression. He can destroy the power of your oppression because we have a God who is all-powerful and he is with us. <coughs> and for the Pharaoh, who had defied God for so long, left them alone for good. In fact, Egypt stayed away from the Israelites for centuries, <coughs> for <coughs> centuries before they even were game to go near the place with an army. So our God is with us and we need to hang on to what he has and keep going with him. This same God who took his people through the Red Sea and set them free <coughs> from slavery is the same God who walked this earth as a human being. We call him Jesus. I said we call him Jesus. <coughs> Jesus, awesome, who healed the blind, opened the ears of the deaf, who calmed storms and turned water into wine and walked on water and stilled a storm and fed thousands of people and raised people from the dead. This is the God who walked on the earth as Jesus. This is the God as liberator who led them through the Red Sea. Jesus, our liberator, our saviour, our deliverer. <coughs> so he liberates us from slavery, from guilt, from, from the power of sin. He saves us from our sin. And he delivers us from fear and darkness. He's an absolutely amazing, amazing, wonderful God. On the cross, the forces of darkness took it that this was the end of him. But it was nowhere near the end. On the cross, the power of darkness was broken. <coughs> the power of sin was broken. The power of death was broken. And if you're in a place of isolation and despair, that's been broken too. <coughs> that's been broken too on the cross. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, where, why have you forsaken me? If you're in a place of isolation like he was at that moment, the power of that has been broken at that moment. He sets you free. And the cross, when, where, where the cross is, fear has to leave and faith has to rise. Grab hold of the cross, <coughs> grab hold of the cross and faith has to rise. 
God loves us. He loves his people and he loved those people that he took across the Red Sea. I just have a special verse here. This is my favourite verse in the Bible, as I keep saying. I keep saying, and it's Deuteronomy. It's out of the Old Testament, out of one of those books that have lots of words. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 to 8. Do you know, this is true, the three numbers on my number plate are 768. I just thought I'd tell you that. I didn't pick this because of that, by the way. <laughs> That's how I can really remember this easy. <laughs> You're thinking, oh dear. But you'll like what it says. You are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. Yeah. You like that? This is who you are. Every time you get down on yourself, you'll see my face in your face saying you are his own special treasure. That's a scary thought. You'll probably never be game to get down again. <laughs> the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you are more numerous than any other nation, for you were the smallest of all nations. Now, here it is. Rather, it is simply that the Lord loves you. Hey, I'm going to read that again. That is worth giving God a, an applause, isn't it? Okay. Rather, simply <laughs> that, the Lord, that the Lord loves you. You know, sometimes when there's stuff like that in the scripture, this is a time for his people just to break out in applause and joy. It really is. Just got one more thing <coughs> I just want to say and then I'm going to sort of do, do a little bit of stuff. It's also said in the Bible, it's 1 Corinthians 10, chapter one, uh, cha cha 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1, and it talks about the, it talks about how how the Red Sea is like a type of baptism. You may may be familiar with that. That in going down into the Red Sea and coming up, they were like baptized in the Moses. So it's a type of baptism. It foreshadows the baptism of Jesus. That is the baptism that we experience when we when we were baptized into Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so. These people, when they went down into the Red Sea, remember that there's this massive walls of water on either side of them, and at that high, there most likely was water vapour over the top, so it was like they're really being buried into the sea, and they're going down from slavery and coming out free. That is awesome. That is awesome. <coughs> and so, when we get baptised, it's like, as we go down into the waters, we're dying to our old life. We are being buried with Christ. Our old life <coughs> is being buried. It's being put to death. So the, the slavery of sin, the slavery and the oppression of the stuff that has ruled our lives for all that time is being put to death and is no more. And then, so then when we are raised out of the world, we're raised to new life with Jesus. We're raised to freedom. You'll pick that up in Romans 6. Romans 6, you'll pick those, those images up. And so the Red Sea foreshadows a lot of stuff that seems to go through the Bible, through to Jesus and through to us here today. And so if you've been baptised, you need to remember what your baptism is about, that the old stuff has been buried 
and you've been raised to life and to freedom. So if you're struggling, remember your baptism. Remember that. And if you haven't been baptised and you belong to Christ, well, you're done well ought to be. You're done well ought to be. <coughs> you talk to Chad about that. But if you haven't been baptised, you need to be. And if you haven't received Christ, this is the best thing you could ever do. Your life will change forever and you'll get set free of all that stuff that, that really doesn't help you <coughs> in your life and you discover what true freedom means. I wonder if those Israelite people knew what freedom looked like. I suspect they didn't. I suspect they had no idea what it was to be free. They had no memory of it. They'd been slaves for, for, for centuries. The overseers and the people who guarded them, they probably weren't much better off than they were. I suspect they had no idea what freedom looked like. But for us, who belong to Jesus, do you know what freedom looks like? And maybe you're not sure. Today is this day to say, God, would you show me? You could do this in church. You could do this in your car. You could do this when you go home. It's to sit quietly and say, Jesus, show me what freedom looks like for me. Show me what freedom looks like for me. <coughs> it's a frightening thing to go through the Red Sea. When everything looks like it's going to come crashing down upon you. And it's a scary thing leaving behind oppression, the things that hold you, and going to freedom. And everything around you looks like it could crash down upon you. Don't lose your nerve. Don't lose your nerve. Hang on to God. Jesus is with you. You have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit at work in this story. That this power, this wind, that, that part of the Red Sea, we see the power of the Holy Spirit at work parting the Red Sea. God is with you. Hang on to Jesus and don't lose your nerve because He's the one who sets you free. Now I'm going <coughs> to tell a story. And I'm going to close with this story. We need to have a good drink of water first because I'll get excited. <coughs> You've heard me talk about when Maureen and I ministered at Woodville Gardens in the parks areas, Mansfield Park, Ferriton Park, Angle Park, <coughs> all that area. Pretty amazing place to minister and Everyone, the city called it the ghetto of Adelaide and it was just, that's another story for another time. But in our church there was this <coughs> Scottish lady called Mary. She was well in her 70s and her husband, <coughs> Jimmy, was a very sick man. He was some bit older than her. But she was a very strong Christian woman, had powerful prophetic gifts. And I love it when she didn't even know that that's what they were. She always had prophetic images when we were praying. She had no idea. But... I don't think God really cares. The fact is she just used to do this stuff. And she, but she was an amazing person who was down to earth but had incredible spiritual depth. And she was telling us about when Jimmy, who'd been in the army, in the British army in the Second World War, had been taken captive in North Africa. And there he was shipped off to Italy along with a whole heap of other prisoners into a prison camp somewhere in Italy. And so... They were treated reasonably well in this prison camp. 
And then the Allies landed at the, in the, at the foot of Italy and started moving up towards them. So they were put on a train, cattle trucks, taken through Italy, through Germany, into Poland, towards the, somewhere near the Russian border, put in this <coughs> prison camp where they remained for possibly nearly two years. And they were treated really badly. And Jimmy said the worst thing for him was that wasn't the treatment, was the fact that he was just a number. He no longer had a name. He was no longer a person. He's just, just a number. I want to say, when you get set free, you're a person. Yeah, you're a person. And so they're in this prison camp, and then the, the, the tide of the war turned, and the Russians were approaching Poland, and so they're all put into cattle trucks, and sent back to Germany to a prison camp there. And so they're in the prison camp there and they knew that the war was possibly coming to an end. Their treatment was a little bit better and they noticed there was a lot of planes in the sky but there were no enemy planes and there's a lot of big planes they'd never seen before. One morning <coughs> they woke up and there were no guards. The guards, everyone in the camp who wasn't a prisoner had gone. All that was left were prisoners. And so they're standing out there in the, in the yard and wondering what to do and talking about it because they had no idea what was going on. And then they heard a noise a long way away and it got closer. And there in the distance, across the paddocks, was a tank coming towards them. And it got closer and closer and they realised, I've never seen a tank like this one before. And it got closer and it got closer and then as it's about three or four hundred yards away, it started to pick up speed and the engine is roaring and bellowing and it comes full tilt towards the camp. <coughs> and Jimmy's thinking, the gates around the other side, can't do the Scottish accent here, the gates around the other side, obviously the tank driver <coughs> wasn't caring about the fence and the tank hit that fence full tilt, the the uh, wires snapping like piano strings and the staunches and posts snapping like matchsticks. <coughs> it goes racing into the camp. The prisoners running all out of the way and it slews to a stop in the middle. The dust starts to settle and the, the engine dries down to an idle and the hatch is thrown back. And this young tank commander, American tank commander, heaves himself up onto the turret, helmet, clutch, cl on, helmet on his head, cigar in his mouth, and looks around at all these open mouths and eyes, he takes a cigar out of his mouth and he says this, You are now free. You are now free. And these guys went crazy. They cheered and they threw each other up and down. They hugged each other through the house. And then like as if they had one mind, they just suddenly took off and headed through the hole in the, in the fence out to their first taste of freedom in years. From captivity to freedom, from darkness to light. Yeah. That young tank commander had full authority from the Allied same commanders, Supreme Commander, to declare freedom. He'd been given authority from the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces to declare freedom. And Jesus Christ, 
the Son of God, who is God, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, who was crucified, who was raised to life, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is our supreme commander, who has all authority over heaven and earth, declares you are now free. That's what he does. And if you've reconnected the chains in your life, disconnect them again. He's set you free. Come on, let's worship for a bit. We'll see where this goes. Let's worship for a bit and see where this goes. I will sing of all you So what I've got here is a link out of that chain where it was cut through. There's no way that that can ever get put back together and look like it did before. If you try to put it back together, it'll look horrible. And there's no point. You've had the chains cut. You are free. There's no tr point in trying to put it back together. It looked awful. You are free. Now, I just want to say this. For some of you, there may be some struggles still going on. You may be still on that, that journey of, of going from the declaration of freedom and grabbing hold of the whole thing. And sometimes you just want to treat and go back because it seems easier. But I'll tell you, it's not. Slavery has a way of conning you into thinking this is okay. But freedom is awesome. These links, in a sense, represent something we want to leave behind something we want to grab hold of. and they also represent freedom I'm going to ask you Jake if you can come out back here um, with the chain and the, the bolt cutters and this is what I'm going to do maybe you need to get a couple of people to help you as well I'm going to ask Jake to start chopping up the chain into bits and if you are in that position where hey, I really need to be grabbing hold of that freedom. Here is a prophetic image of the chains in your life being broken, of freedom and future. You got that? It represents being free. And so what I'm going to say is, you might need my, perhaps more in and raise it up there. If you, if, you, if you, as we worship, just come to the front, put your hand out, and, and someone will just give a and keep that as a reminder, a prophetic reminder of who you are and where God is taking you. got that? And I want to say too that you may need some, some prayer for something about being free or perhaps you're, you're just finding anxiety is trying to shove you back to where you were. Maybe you need Jesus. Absolutely. We'll, we'll be around here. I'd love to pray with you. We're going to worship. 
and we're going to basically chop up bits of this chain, prophetic image of what God is doing for the freedom. You got that? Okay, come on down. Come on down. Don't hold back. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Mia. For those of you who I haven't had the opportunity of meeting yet, I just felt with Rob's message to just share... Just, I just felt to be a little bit transparent with you for those of you who might be struggling to really enter into this word that Rob was sharing with you. About a decade ago, um, my family went through some situations. My mom passed away, and as a result, I just broke. And Dave, my husband, and I, we were leaders in a Christian ministry that we were um, running up in Darwin. And in the midst of that brokenness, I just made decision after decision and just, just brought this brokenness into my family. And this immense amount of shame came over me because here I was meant to represent like this Christian leader. And I was making decisions that was just bringing a sense of death into me and, and spreading into my family. And I made it right with God, but it, like year after year, I just carried that shame. And I went and got some prayer ministry, like only, I think about five years ago, a sozo. I don't know if you guys have heard that. Yeah. And the resounding thing that kept, Jesus kept speaking to me in that was, it's okay to be free. And he showed me this picture of this winter blanket that I just had wrapped around me, and I was choosing to stay in that winter. And he just showed me just flowers coming up in the ground, that it's time to enter into spring, and it's okay to be free. And like, they write out for you what Jesus is speaking to you as you go through this prayer ministry. I looked at it and it was written about 20 times just split in one page it's okay to be free it's okay to be free and it was like it still took years after that to walk into that but then I, I just I had that it finally clicked and I just rose up and I stood up tall it's okay to be free it doesn't matter who I was meant to be I was human and I made those choices and it's okay to be free and it's like oh Finally, okay. And so I just felt to share that, even if it's for one person who's just yeah. struggling, you have this identity that you're meant to carry, you've made choices. I just want to say that it's okay. It's okay to walk into that freedom. It's okay. I'm going to run this padlock over to Mia because this one one person still chained through pride through pride go to me and also if you want to be set free from the padlock so we're going to worship for a little bit and if you need to leave that's fine or you need to have a coffee that's fine and maybe you would encourage someone in the foyer to pray with someone in the foyer but today, again, we're here to pray with you, to help with you, to talk with you. And Mia's story may have really resonated with some of you. As Maureen said, there's at least one of you. And, and she's quite happy to be here and share with you and pray with you. She's been where you are, where you're struggling. She knows what that's about. And there may be other reasons. You may be struggling from sickness. You need to be set free of that. You may be struggling with, with yeah, well, you know what your struggles are better than I do. And the thing is, you may be struggling with the whole thing of whether Jesus is real or whether God would accept you or 
whether you even want to ask him into your life. And today, if this sort of stuff's going on with you, I say, take the risk. Open your heart up to Jesus and invite him in. Would you just close your eyes just for a moment? And today, if, if you're the sort of person who really needs to be make a decision about Jesus and you've been holding back and, and you've got to that point like in the, in the movie we saw the other day, Case for Christ, like, well, God, I just give up. You win. You win. If that's you today where you're saying, God, you win, I want to start doing real stuff with you. Would you just pop your hand up and then, then put it down again? That would be awesome if you did that. Or maybe today you've been in a place where you've got so far from God it feels like you never really knew him. And today you want to come back. And again, if that's you, could you put your hand up? Today you may need the power of God. You may need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Maureen. Heal the Lord. Fill it with your spirit, Lord. Empower the Lord. We'll be here to pray with you in whatever way you want. Pray with each other. Encourage each other. Speak into each other. And I'll say this and I'm going to hand back over the worship team and then I'm done. Is this. Anxiety in the name of Jesus you must leave okay honey There's a big portcullis in, in the front and there's someone within that castle tower that's been absolutely terrified. They're terrified and they're saying, I haven't got the courage to make that step to freedom. As they look through the portcullis, they can see or they think they know Jesus is out there. But actually Jesus is saying to you, he's right in there with you. And he's holding your hand right now and he's got the courage. He showed you the courage on the cross. Just take that step. He's got your hand. Just thank you, Jesus, for your freedom. Thank you that you've got the courage. Thank you that you break the chains and that you can break everything that holds that person right now. In Jesus' name, thank you. Bayside Church International. Thanks for listening.